I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not appreciative of the classes I took in school. You know, geometry, algebra, social studies, statistics, were all great things to learn, but I can't tell you if I use them every day. Why don't we teach kids about mental health in school? Welcome back to another episode of Relatively Normal. I'm your host, Mark Paisant, and I hope you are enjoying this great fall weather we are having. I don't know where you are, but in the South, it's just summer 2.0. It's still in the 90s. It's still hot. Barely a leaf has turned a different color, and my pool is still open. So I guess there's some good things about this. Um, but today I want to talk about something that I've kind of been thinking about for a long time and I've talked to a bunch of people in, um, the school system about, and just, um, I'd read some articles about some states starting to, uh, do this, but why don't we teach kids about mental health awareness when they're in school? And that is a question for everyone. I've been thinking about that for the longest time. And the reason I've been thinking about it is because um, I have been a youth coach in the past. I really want to get back into it, but I have over a decade of experience coaching basketball to uh, anywhere between fourth graders to eighth graders. Um, I've coached really young kids in soccer. Um, One kid that I can think of in soccer had severe ADHD. And he was a absolute joy to coach. This was back when I was in college and I was coaching young kids. But I think about the gripe that a lot of people have with their schooling. And the biggest gripe kids ask is, when am I going to use this? When is this going to pop up in my adult life and I'll be forced to use it? And that's a good question. I think that's a great question. I think we have different subjects like history, which is great to know your history. You, You have no idea where you're going until you know where you've been. That is great. We need to learn about the Holocaust. We need to learn about Jim Crow laws. We need to learn about the women's movement. We need to learn about all that stuff so we don't repeat it. I agree with that. When it comes to math, like geometry, algebra, calculus, things like that, there are certain times in our life where we have to use those things, but Do we use them every day? Is it something that we consciously use? You weren't allowed to use calculators in school, but in real life, guess what? You can use a calculator. Not saying one is right versus the other. I'm not doing that. But 
What about noticing mental health issues, coping with mental health issues, dealing with grief, dealing with anxiety? Why don't we have those courses in school? Now, we do have counselors. We do have, um, like, I, I was a, I was part of a group of, of student counselors that we met with a guidance counselor once a month, and we were available for students to talk to us when they were going through anything. And there's a specific moment I remember when I was in middle school, and we had a transfer student come in, just a wonderful, wonderful girl. She was just a just a ball of energy she was everybody loved her right up front and unfortunately her family owned a convenience store and one day a robber broke in and murdered her father and it was terrible and it really affected a bunch of kids in the school So there was about eight to 10 of us in in this school and we were made readily available for kids who wanted to talk to us. I can't remember a time in my young life that I didn't feel more comfortable in my skin than when one of the people I called friend came in and sat down with me in an environment that was safe, an environment that was open, an environment that was trusting, And he told me what it meant when he learned that she lost her father that way. And you have to remember, I'm 10 or 11 years old. He's 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12. And we're talking about grief. We're talking about empathy for someone who has gone through something so outrageous, so atrocious, so terrible, so horrible. And you have two preteens sitting down in a therapy environment. And I can't tell you a time in my young life that I didn't feel more comfortable. So why is it that we don't help the youth embrace their differences, embrace their personalities, and embrace how their brain thinks. Why don't we do that? And I don't know if we do. Somebody needs to tell me. Because I tell you what, it seems like every week or maybe every day, a story pops up on my newsfeed about a kid committing suicide because they were either bullied or they were outed because of their sexuality. Kids' brains aren't fully developed. And for that case, teenagers' brains aren't fully developed. Scientists believe that the brain does not become fully developed until 25 years old. So, the work we do until someone turns 24 or 25 is still molding their personality. It's still molding their brain. So again, I ask the question, why don't we talk about this? Why don't we instruct people? Why don't we bring in 
experts to have conversations with kids. I believe right now most of the kids in this country, I can't speak of other countries, but most of the kids in America, if one of their friends started giving away their most prized possessions, they start giving away their favorite toys, their favorite items, out of the blue, out of nowhere. I don't think most kids would see that as a red flag for suicide. When a person is going, in, going through their first relationship and go through their first breakup, and their brain has no idea what this feeling is, they have no idea what this feeling of longing for this feeling of just depression, this feeling like their life is over because a girl or a boy broke up with them. That right there is a teachable moment. It's a moment we can help mold a brain or help somebody deal with things that they've never dealt with before. So again, I ask the question, and I won't stop asking, why aren't we teaching this in schools? I would love nothing more than a teacher or a parent or a counselor to say, hey, Mark, we know you're not a professional. You're not a professional therapist, but you're a dad. You're an adult. You're a husband. You've been through the public school. You've been through private school. You've been through four years of college. You've battled depression and anxiety most of your life. Will you come in and talk to my class? Will you come in and just tell them what you've gone through, how you've dealt with it? Maybe someone will learn something. Maybe a bully out there will understand what their words and actions really do to the human psyche. Maybe someone will take just a bit of it and think about that friend who came to them the week before because they were extremely sad and they had no idea how to express their emotions. Maybe one kid will just see the signs of depression and anxiety in their parents. Maybe another kid will, will learn that, yeah, he, his palms get a little sweaty or her heart starts to race before a big test. But then it does the same thing at different points in their life where they don't believe they should be as stressed. So again, I ask the question, why aren't we teaching this in schools? Think back for a second when you were in school. Think back to all the feelings you had. Think back to how you really didn't understand those feelings. And if you went and told somebody about it, you may have been labeled as weak, weak. 
or weird or told that that feeling doesn't mean anything. Maybe your feeling was not validated. Whatever it was, think about how your adult self would want to talk to yourself as a kid, as a third grader, as a seventh grader, as a tenth grader. How would you want to explain your emotions to that person? Because I know how I'd want to do it. First and foremost, I would tell that person that what you're feeling and how you're feeling is perfectly normal. And you should not try to change for anybody or anything. Secondly, I would tell that person, that younger version of me, to be open, to be honest, not just with others, but with yourself. If you're sad, if you're upset, if you're feeling down, be honest with yourself. And the reason I emphasize honesty is because that word is thrown around a lot to young kids. We ask for the truth. Don't lie to me. Make sure you're telling me the truth. I I do this thing with my five and my four-year-old where um, we do pinky swears, where we understand that the truth is malleable to young minds. But a pinky swear, when we say pinky swear, that is something that has to be the truth. And it's a promise also that we can't go back on. Because if you break a pinky swear, you're breaking a bond between you and me. So what if we taught young people to almost have a pinky swear with themselves, to almost have such a a solid bond with their feelings that they don't lie to themselves about how they feel. Because I can tell you, if as a young person, I didn't lie to myself about my feelings, I wouldn't lie to my teachers or I wouldn't lie to my parents. If I continually told myself that, no, I'm fine when I really wasn't, guess what I'm going to tell other people? So that is a huge message that I would tell myself as a younger person. So getting back to the specific question. Why don't we cover this in schools? Why don't we go over this in schools? And I've read a few articles in the last few days. Some of them have been really good, and some of them have been extremely sad. I'm going to start with a good one, and it involves my alma mater, Clemson University, defending national champs in in football, and a well-known coach, Dabo Sweeney where he is actually talking mental health with his players. He has set up sleeping rooms in their state-of-the-art facility that kids can come and get a nap. 
he has set up auditoriums for team meetings that kids can come and sit down and discuss their feelings. Is this enough? No. But is it a start? Yes. And for someone on a national stage to do this, that's amazing to me. The other story I want to talk about is a very, very sad story. This is really hard for me to discuss because I empathize a lot with young people. A lot of people don't. A lot of people brush off their problems as not that difficult, brush off their problems as, oh, they'll grow out of it. They brush off their problems like they're not real. So let me ask you a question. When does it become real? And this story happens way too often. Channing Smith. You may have read about him. He was a 16-year-old boy in Tennessee that had private messages that he had sent, posted by two other students. These private messages talked about his sexuality talked about him being bisexual. And two of his fellow classmates outed him. Then he took his own life. A 16-year-old who had everything to live for. And one reason to die. These kind of stories just really tear me up inside. Because one part of me is like, how can young people be so mean? How can they do this to their classmate? How can they do this to possibly their friend? What type of people were they? The other side of me thinks who did he have to speak to who could he have talked to about this it's a, it's an i can't say it's an unbelievable story because it happens all the time it happens more than we think suicide rates in teenagers is going up Anxiety and depression rates in teenagers is going up. Some will blame social media. Some will blame the higher expectations for this younger generation. I don't know who I'm going to blame, but there's the fact that it's happening. I'm not saying that 
if he had been taught more courses or classes on mental health or on suicide prevention or on anything like that, that would have saved his life. I'm not going to go into that. That's not my forum. I'm not here to assume anything. I'm just thinking out loud. And I want to know to all the people out there who have kids, younger, older, whatever, but the people who have kids, what kind of conversations are you having with them about bullying, about sexuality, about mental health, about depression? about feelings, about emotions, about breakup, about grief? What kind of conversations are you having? Because I've already started the conversations with my five-year-old and my four-year-old, and I know they don't truly understand what daddy's saying, but I want them to understand that daddy's listening and that their feelings mean something Not only to me, but to them. I mean, if you really think about it, we celebrate parents that get involved in their kids' schoolwork. We celebrate a parent that will come to school, talk to their teachers, ask about how they're doing in class, talk to their coaches, say, hey, what can my kid do to to improve their jump shot? What can my kid do to improve, you know, kicking with their left foot? We, you know, we we go to student teacher nights and say, hey, I see that my child got a C on their last spelling test. What, What can I do to help them with their spelling? What if in addition to those questions, we ask ones like this? Emotionally, how's my child doing? I saw that he didn't start the last game. How did that affect him? How is my child getting along with other students? How are they socially? And then when we get home and we help them with their homework, we also ask them specific questions about their day, how things made them feel. Why do they think they felt the way they felt? I noticed that you're not really talking to your friend anymore. What happened? How do you feel about it? I know that you studied really hard for that English test, and you you got a B minus. That's good, but I, I see that you really wanted an A. How do you feel? Because that last question about the B minus and the A, we can learn a lot from people about what they perceive as failure. I will tell you right now that it may not have come out this way, but when I was younger, a B felt like failure. And I don't know if that had more to do with 
seeing how well my brother was doing in school or the high expectations my parents put on me. But when I brought a B home, I felt like I failed somebody. Right now, I can't remember if I thought I failed myself, if I failed my teachers, if I failed my parents. I don't know who it was that I thought I failed, but I did feel like a failure. Then when I brought the A home, I was ecstatic. I was so grateful, so just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my hard work that did it. I was just lucky. Thank God I got this A. So, I think one thing that we really need to focus on is the expectations we set, the avenues for communication that we set, and our availability as parents and coaches and teachers. Because remember, We're the mature ones. We're the experienced ones. We're the ones with fully developed brains. We're the ones with the better cognitive thinking. So we have to be there for each and every young person to be able to count on. Not just for homework. Not just for running out-of-bounds plays on a basketball court, not just for teaching, hitting, or catching, or how to run faster or jump higher, or how to spell difficult words, or how to do the difficult calculations. We have to be there for them just to tell them about their mental health. Just be able to ask the question, how are you doing? And then be able to listen to the answer. So to get back on the story I was talking about in regard to the 16-year-old that committed suicide due to being outed by his classmates, I want to read something from the website healthyplace.com. And I'll add this to the show notes, but there is an article in here by Natasha Tracy That's simply titled, Why Do Teens Commit Suicide? Causes of Teen Suicide. And she has some emotional causes. She has some environmental causes. But this one section really spoke to me. And in bold letters, it just says, Mental Illness as a Cause of Teen Suicide. And it reads, while all the above are driving factors of teen suicide, 
often the underlying issue is one of mental illness. Most teens who attempt suicide do so because of depression, bipolar disorder, or borderline personality disorder. These disorders amplify the pain a teen may feel. It is because of this that any suicidal teen should be treated by a medical professional. What I read from that is that we can say that there are so many reasons out there. There's so many environmental reasons. There's so many social reasons. There's so many emotional causes. There's, there's so much external reasoning behind a teen wanting to take his or her own life. But when it comes down to it, a lot of it is caused by mental illness. So, if we know there is a problem out there, if, if something is staring us in the face that is keeping our young one from doing well in school, doing well on a basketball court, doing well in life, wouldn't you do anything to help them? If a teacher came to you and said, your son or daughter is going to graduate only if they get their math grades up. They're doing great in English. They're doing great in science. They're doing great in social studies. They're doing great in history, but they can't get their math grades up. Wouldn't you do something? So what if there was someone out there that said, hey, educationally, your daughter's doing fine. But she's sad all the time. She rarely ever speaks. She doesn't interact with her classmates. I really think that you may need to talk to her about her emotions. Would you do it? Would you take the time to educate yourself on the anxiety levels of preteens and teens? Would you look at the depression rates of those people under the age of 18? Would you do research to help your child become a better adult? I think the overwhelming answer is yes, you would. So back to my question. Why don't we teach mental health awareness in schools? Do we not have the time? Do we not have the funding? Do we not have the research? Do we not care? If we answer no to any of those questions, there's truly something wrong with us.
I believe we all have the time. I believe this doesn't take that much money. I believe we can all do our own research. And I truly believe we all care. I want to finish by just having you visualize this. If you're listening to this visualize, how much time do you think it would take to affect the emotions or the mental health of your child? How much time? Five minutes a day? Ten minutes a day? A half an hour a day? An hour a day? An hour a week? How much time do you spend on your phone each day? How much time do you spend watching TV each day? How much time do you spend doing things that are not productive? That you could just take a fraction of that time to ask your son or daughter how they're feeling. Now, I know what some people are thinking. Ugh, my kid is embarrassed by me. They don't want to have conversations with me. I try to bring up anything and they just shut down. That's not an excuse. That is not an excuse. When kids shut down, that's just their way of telling you they're not comfortable talking about the things that are important. So it's up to us as the people who are bringing up the next generation to give them a safe space to open up, to tell them it's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to show your emotions. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you human. And you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. And I would do anything to keep you safe. I don't care if that makes you uncomfortable. I want to make this house as comfortable for you as possible. But guess what? There's things in life that are going to be good for you, and they're going to be uncomfortable. But that does not mean we shouldn't get through them. And we can get through them together. As always, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you next time. Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisan. And as always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.